Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. This is episode 63. With me, my co-captain as always. Scott Larson. And Scott, let's uh, let's kick off the sponsors really quick before we get to our guest for the day. Okay. Uh, so the main sponsor of the show is uh, Flipping Out Pinball. If you want to pick up that new or used pinball machine, or if you want to uh, be a trader and buy a Roth Rills machine, uh, you can certainly contact Zach and Nicole Mini. They, they will find anything that you need to decorate your game room. And they're always easy to work with, uh, certainly. And uh, I, I've had good luck with them. Uh, I, I bought like five machines with them. Josh, how many do you got? Uh, I've bought three from them. Yes. Yeah. So I, wow. they've always been really good. I've, I've also, I'm also a, a mod fan and a topper fan. I'm an unabashed <laughs> topper fan. So I buy toppers for all my games. And so, yes, I am that guy. So of course. Uh, also want to give a shout out to uh, Brattle at frames. Uh, again, if you have that translate that is collecting dust and you want to display it in your game room, uh, go ahead and hook up Brad. Uh, Josh and I talk to Brad regularly and he's just a great guy. It's a, yeah. it's a relatively inexpensive way of displaying that. I have a monster bash, uh, remake uh, from Brian Allen in my frame, and it's a lot of fun to change all the colors in the background. So, yes. All right. So, uh, we have a special, very special. This is like a very special Different Strokes episode. Um, we have uh, one of the Pinberg champions on the line with us. Uh, in case you haven't heard of him, his Colin McAlpine, he is an encyclopedic uh, knowledge of the rules in the game and he can play it one-handed while instructing you on the game, which is pretty impressive. Wasn't so, he also texting too while he was taking your high score? Uh, well, he was, <laughs> but yeah, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, uh, all right. And I believe it was Pinberg 2017. Is that correct, Colin? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Quite a few less, uh, uh, Pinberg championships than uh, you know one of your first guests ever in, in Keith Owen. So I at well, least okay. have my one. Okay, Colin, how many pinball machines have you designed? I mean, come on, this is this is a race between you and Keith Owen. So we need to find <laughs> yeah. out. That was yeah. No, that's a thankfully that's a zero. I am not a pinball designer. <laughs> Although I do, I, I you know it would be interesting at some point to you know to do like consulting or something like that on rules. I think I have a I. I pretty like like you mentioned i i kind of geek out on that type of stuff and have an appreciation for balancing that type of thing and coming up with really the one of the key things that you know, i think with pinball rules in modern pinball machines is you know interaction factors and so coming up with those cool ways for the the rules to interact with each other i think is is what really makes a good modern modern pinball rule set and keith does a phenomenal job of that so I, I do have a question there. There are different ways that people get into pinball and I, we're happy to talk origin stories or whatever, but a lot of people, I I'm more of a collector slash hobbyist. I don't really do uh, tournament pinball, mainly uh, a time limit for me. Um, so at what point did you decide I'm going to be a tournament player? Uh, Cause that, is, that is a different approach to a game than, Hey, I want to buy a game and put it in my downstairs. Hold on, two seconds, two seconds. It's not time. He's a pinball snob. He's like, my games are much better than everyone else's games, so I okay, can't, well, can't be burdened with going to other other locations like okay, the Nickel Mania. Now, okay, <laughs> now there's a Nickel Mania that they have flippers that aren't even trued 
Like, like there's one that's giving you the bird the whole time because it's already pre-flipped up and half of the switches hey, are broken. Pinball. Yeah, I know. I don't even have to trap. It just lands there. Uh, I'm not kidding. I, we went to a Chuck E. Cheese and my wife's like, hey, there's a pinball machine over there. And this was when I was pretty early into it. I, I had like four games at the time and I went over it and it was a stern Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. One of the flippers wasn't even attached. The other one had no rubber on it. And nice. it was so b- blown out that you couldn't even see any of the inserts. And I, and I still put Pirate. a few coins in it, but man, it was, that was painful. Oh yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm a pinball <laughs> snob. Yes. Yes. Uh, who, who likes toppers. So uh, yeah. So uh, competitive pinball, you're crossing a Rubicon into I'm going to do this. So yeah, it didn't, it didn't start until like 10 years ago. So 2011, I don't remember the exact date. I could probably look it up if I wanted to an IFPA, but it was at a Tron launch tournament. So the, uh, the Tron launch parties, this is, you know, before all the launch parties became a bigger deal. And I should have bought one of those Trons uh, back then. I would have been, you know, either made a lot of money or been very happy with my purchase because Tron's a great game. But that was that was the beginning of competitive pinball. I, I did not know competitive pinball existed until that time. Because growing up, you know, in the era that I grew up in and, you know, in Minnesota and, you know, and there were even, well, I guess I'd moved away by then. By the time I think IFPA World was held in Minnesota at one point, but by that time I had moved away and was going to college and stuff like that. But yeah, I just I competed with uh, the the high scoreboard, you know, growing up with pinball was first well first competing for the replay score that was the main competition because I was on a limited set of quarters as a kid and wanted to keep playing and then competing with the high scoreboard trying to get your initials up and then didn't learn about competitive pinball well I, I take that back I did play I did stop by Chicago Expo before I really even knew what Expo was and I don't think they even charged for admission or if they did, it wasn't much. This is when they were releasing Stern Pirates of the Caribbean. They mentioned that in Chuck E. Cheese or Chuck E. Sneeze earlier. Um, <laughs> but in terms of actually legitimately wanting to play competitively, it was that Tron launch party tournament, which by happenstance, I happened to win it. So it, it makes for a better taste in your mouth when the first tournament you were playing, you win. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say. It even says, it, I looked it up just for you. June 10th, 2011, Stern launch party. Number one. There we go. Nice, so we're just nice. a month, uh, nearly a month past my 10-year anniversary of playing competitive pinball. And then, yeah, after that time, yeah, it was a hook, hook, line, and sinker. Totally into it. You know, I like competing. Um, you know, I've, I've never been great at sports, but you know, I played, you know, soccer and tennis growing up. I wasn't particularly good at them. But I still like competing. And it, you know, pained me not to be able to really win that frequently. And, you know, always like playing card games, board games, and, you know, enjoyed competing with pinball. And then when I found out the stuff that was the, the resources available online to in terms of how to get better and in, by playing in leagues, being around other people that move the machine and nudge the machine, because I didn't do that growing up. I thought that was cheating. <laughs> so... <laughs> I very happily then learned and start, you know, and you really learn that the best by playing physically in, in person with other people. In my opinion, you cannot learn effectively how to nudge the machine. If you're just watching video, 
not going to happen. You can learn flipper techniques from watching video, and you can learn rules from watching video. You can't learn nudging techniques until you play in the per in person, watching somebody physically move the machine, and then trying it yourself. Okay, I've got to ask because I'm looking at your rap sheet right now. You escalated quickly, so you did a stern launch party, then you did Texas Pinball Festival, and then you ended up at Papa World Pinball Championship. What? What the heck? Like, and this is just within the first three tournaments. I mean, um, that seems that seems to go pretty quick. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I found out you know the, the online stuff is like, oh wow, there's this thing called the Papa World Championship, and uh, we were you know having a we were taking a road trip into the Midwest. Uh, my wife's family's and you know grew up in Ohio, and so we had the opportunity then to like, hey, let's go drive through Pittsburgh when this is taking place. And I did not play in the A division, by the way, the first time I went to oh, Papa. Okay. It was oh, uh, the first time. Well, I, I'm glad the, the first, first time you didn't. No, no. <laughs> You've got to look at this one. Sorry. It's like the, the I'm going to assume this is your second time. Yeah. Your second time you took 139th in classics. That's like the lowest you've ever done, too. The, I, I was scanning through, too. And most of them was like first, <laughs> second, fourth. And then it's like 139th. So. Yes. And there's only once. Yeah. It's only once. A, it's like you only did it once. You learned from most your mistakes. Most are single digits. <laughs> yes. uh, many are double digits. And like one triple digit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I was getting into there as far as as far as the classics and didn't have a clue of how to as far as how to play them. Didn't learn didn't really learn how to play them until after my first Pinberg and then realized that hey, classics are a lot of fun to play and compete on. You need some classics in your collection, Scott. Although you told me you have I, some and they're, just, they're not in your basement. Right. I have a genie and Yeah, that's a great yeah, pin. No, it, it's great and I need to I actually need to bring it down, but I'm as you have seen in my basement, I'm out of space. Yes. So I I'm looking at my games and I'm like, ah, which one would I move out to move Genie in? And Genie is huge. It is not a small game. It's a big boy. Yeah, and you saw the uh, stairs of girl, death yeah. out. Uh, yeah, boy, girl, whatever. Uh, there's a there's a wizard and a genie on there. So, but you saw the stairs of death that go down, and so it would be really oh, hard yeah, for dude. me to. Ooh. That would be murder. Yeah, you were talking about you. I think you were talking with me, or maybe it was Kara talking about the addition that you're contemplating. So that's what you need to do before you put Genie yeah. in there. No, absolutely. My only complaint about classics right now are they just they're either too expensive to buy or you can't find them at all. So oh, you got to find like some like back alley sleazy job. Like I'll take it <laughs> off your hands and <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a future spot on a Black Knight at home, but the only reason I've got them is because I'm fixing them up for a friend. But it's a uh, they're rough. Yeah. <laughs> you, you either get garbage piles or someone wants top dollar. It's like, well, at that yes. price, I might as well just buy Avengers. So, so someone wants 5,000 for an Eldorado. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm thankful that I got my classics when I did because the, yeah, the, like you mentioned, the price of pinball on all pinball is gone up, but especially per my, especially from a percentage perspective, the price of classics is gone up far, far more than the price of new in box. Yeah, and that and it's simple supply and demand is because there is no additional supply coming in, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, the the actual supply of even decent quality of like a player's quality, you know, classics is even smaller supply because there's some classics out there that are just roached, and then if you want really, if you want like you know Scott Larson level of quality <laughs> then you're talking about really really low amount of supply out there and then, then then you're talking about repros and you know 
having to re repaint, re-stencil the cabinet and put a new, you know, hard top on it or just a complete new CPR playfield, CPR back glass. And yeah, the, the, the cash register goes ding, ding, ding as you do that. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't want to restore freedom that much, but, uh, be fun. Yeah. Just hit up Martin Robbins and get one of those new fathoms coming to your house. Right. Okay. Cool. So I, that is something in the future I want to talk about. I actually talked to someone who ordered a mermaid edition. Nice. Here nice. in Utah? It's good. No, no. So this oh. is a, yeah, sorry. Bummer. So uh, this is my friend, Tony Murphy. He's, he's up in the Minnesota area. So he, he said he's run into you uh, once or twice at the tournaments. Uh, Colin B said you, you would have no idea who he was, but uh, he, I talked to him yesterday about, um, getting the, uh, he ordered the, the mermaid and I nice. said, yeah, he has 31 games and they're, they're super high quality. And so he was talking about, uh, being excited about that. And he, uh, he ordered a, a Halloween also. And, uh, you know, so yes, I, I'm, I told him, I was like, I kind of want to come up and just visit you once you get that mermaid edition. Cause I want to play it uh, in the flesh. That'd be fun. Road trip to Minnesota. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, but that's the very long winded way of how I got into competitive pinball, which, you know, and I still, uh, you know, obviously like to play a lot. Haven't been able to play much competitive pinball recently because people haven't, you know, it, it wasn't safe to do so initially. And then it was very people, every pretty tentative about doing so. I was actually out playing on location quite a while ago, just wearing, wearing my mask and, doing that and then got vaccinated and been ready to go. Even flew up to Wisconsin for one of the, uh, the tournaments at district 82 at that new relatively new location there and, uh, made some good, uh, new friends up there planning on going up there again in October for their super series where they're doing six tournaments over the course of four days or three days. Yeah. So that'll be fun. But yeah, competitive pinball is, is great. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, more and more people continue to get into that. I think the one of the the best things about well-run competitive events is when they are running it in such a way that it caters to the the broad spectrum of skill levels. And that's why you saw tournaments like Pinberg become so popular was because it catered to a broad spectrum of skill levels. And, you know, from the expert level player down to the novice, new player and social player, everybody could find ways to have fun. And, you know, of course, you're still you're going to you're going to play bad games. And you're going to get frustrated about not playing well. But all in all, you still have a good time. So that's the thing I try to emphasize at the events that I run by having, you know, other divisions b divisions or novice divisions uh because i've you know i've seen the success and the feedback from players across that spectrum of skill levels and uh and i do yeah i just i get it i don't really like it when i hear people talking about oh well this is good for tournament players or this is not good for it's like what no i'm i i play in tournaments yes but i'm a pinball player and I, I'm a pinball player that likes to compete in tournaments. I still, we still all play pinball. And yeah, there are things you can do if you have the patience and the skill level to exploit certain things or features or rules in a particular game based upon the situation that presents itself in a competitive situation. But at the heart of it, we're still all just flipping the silver ball. And even people that don't play in tournaments, you're still competing. 
you're just competing for different things. You're competing to try to get to a certain objective or a certain wizard mode or, uh, you know, or trying to take down one of the high scores or get your initials up on the pinball machine. So we're all competing. It's just a matter of how you're doing it. You're also involved in somewhat with the, the Texas Pinball Festival. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, correct. I'm, I'm uh, one of the tournament directors for the TPF tournaments. So is that, uh, so we want to, Josh and I wanted to talk about with this opening backup of the IFPA and tournaments. And first off, I want to talk about how, well, first or second, however you want to put it, want to talk about how that has, uh, I guess how it feels opening that up after having like a dam of on the water of this desire for playing pinball for a year. So that's, that's one question I have. And another one is lead me through Texas is, is been a huge success when it comes to everybody coming and enjoying it, whether or not they're coming to enjoy the festival or coming to compete or just experiencing the whole thing. Does that put more pressure on you as, uh, you know, as replay and Pinberg have become smaller, uh, with the pandemic? Uh, how are you adapting to the new changes? So e- either either a question first. Uh, so the first thing, in terms of the 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 dam breaking or releasing, so I don't I don't anticipate there being much change in terms of of TPF. The reason why is because we were already we were already selling out the tournament. It was a it's a capped uh, turn you know number of player event because of the design of the the format you know we we don't you know we, we give everybody a limited set of entries and so if you're if I'm offering or expecting people to set aside their time and their vacation and travel and then pay money to enter the tournament for a limited set of entries I want to make sure that they have enough time to actually play those entries. So then it becomes a matter of crunching the numbers and doing the math as far as capacity of your, you know, your bank of pinball machines and the time it takes. And so, you know, you have to, you know, put forth and do the planning and things like that. And so I, I don't, I, you know, I do also that type of stuff for a living as well. So, uh, you know, doing that, you, you, you have it set up as a limited entry. So we, we already were selling that out, uh, not as quickly as something like, as like Pinberg, but, um, but still selling it relatively quickly. And when we had to cancel TPF for 2020, two weeks prior to the event taking place, we made the offer to all of the people registered for the tournament. We refunded all their tournament entry fees, but we asked similar to how the TPF, you know, organizing team. So Ed and Kim Vanderveen and, and, and Paul McKinney, they, you know, offered said, Hey, if anybody's willing, would you mind not just asking for a refund for your event pass? Because at that time there was still some question marks about whether the venue was going to still force them to pay all the money, even though they weren't holding the event. Thankfully they were able to work things out there, but in doing so that helped to to let the Texas pinball LLC, you know, remain afloat and financially viable so they could continue scheduling stuff. So I think maybe out of 160 players, I think there were less than five that didn't want to have their event passes carry over. And by doing so, I offered to them, like, if you let your event passes carry over, you will retain your spot on a, um, you know, on a, uh, 
a, a will call base, not will call, but a, on a, you get right of first refusal. So in other words, we won't be holding an open signup for TPF 2022. All those players that elected to allow their money for their event passes to roll to 22 from 2020 are going to be able to retain their spot in the tournament for 22. So there might be a sign up as, as few as only five or 10 spots for the main event. There's a side tournament of classics that we will once we will have a, a sign up for that, which will also be capped, but that's at a higher number. I think it's in the two hundreds uh, for that one. And uh, that will open up in October. I'd look for announcements later in the next coming couple months, but we'll probably have those signups open up sometime during the first week of October. And, um, yeah, so I don't anticipate there being any difference. I, the, the pinball, the demand for competitive pinball was high before COVID. The demand for competitive pinball for TPF in particular is still going to be high. It's probably going to be even higher just because of the number of people that continue to find pinball and find enjoyment in it. Uh, specifically coming up here in the next couple months, you're going to see that, like you mentioned, the dam releasing or whatever. There's a lot of people that are scheduling events for August you know, when the uh, IFPA is sanctioning events again. And so that will certainly take place. But these larger events, you can't just on a whim schedule a big, huge tournament in August on a month's notice. You know, these are things that you have to plan. You know, we start planning for TPF, you know, within a couple months of the other one wrapping up. And we even have like kind of a wrap up, you know, feedback session powwow for the uh, the one that just took place, you know, with a week after. So it's fresh in our minds. But then we're planning for the next one right away. And there's a ton more planning that, you know, obviously that I'm not even privy to for the event itself that that uh, that the Vanderveens do and, and, and Paul and others on the TPF team that take care of as far as that, uh, you know, what I consider a marquee event for not just the U.S., but for the world in terms of a, a in terms of a pinball event. So, yeah. So in that regard, so that's a, the first question. The second question you asked was. Um, how do we, oh, I forget, what was it? How do we manage all the, the how, holding the event itself or I'm, I'm well, it, does there feel like there's more pressure because, um, oh. with, with, uh, Pinberg basically ceasing to exist as we know it, it seems like it pushes Texas pinball festival into, a and, and it's already an elite status, but, uh, even more that there's less of them. Yeah. That's an interesting take. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it in that way. Um, you know, we'd certainly, we've talked about, I've talked about with various people on, okay, are we going to have another, is there going to be some other event that, you know, to, to re replace Pinberg? So TPF is not looking to replace Pinberg, at least from my perspective. I'm, I'm not personally willing to set aside what I deem to be the amount of time and effort it would take to organize something like that. And you just, and you can't do it because PPF does not have a, a standing collection of pins. I'm at the mercy of, of, of awesome collectors like yourselves that uh, in terms of, you know, the local collectors here in the Texas area, also people coming from Oklahoma, as far away as from like Missouri, Kansas city, uh, bringing pins to TPF. So to try to replace Pinberg, no, TPF can't do that because we just we don't have a standing collection to hold a tournament anywhere close to that size. So the other thing about TPF is that it is a pinball show 
first and foremost. Replay FX started out as a pinball tournament. So its you know, nucleus, if you will, was Pinburg in a pinball tournament. It then evolved into a greater pinball and amusement show. It wasn't just pinball. Uh, TPF is first and foremost a pinball show. Now, it's also a, an arcade show because there's a lot of arcade stuff that goes on there. It has also, over the years, morphed into an industry show. I would say second only from an industry-level involvement to something like Expo. Uh, I would argue that there's elements of TPF, I think, that have actually eclipsed Expo in terms of some of the overall show. But I think just be the, the proximity of Expo and the, the history of Expo, that it still remains the, the premier industry show, if you will. But TPF from a overall, you know, getting everything and fun factor from the the event itself to um, the the number of pins and the collectors that are bringing them in and the quality of pins that get brought in, um, you know, I think it it's uh, in some ways, you know, eclipsed what Expo does in some areas. Now Expo, it's from the sounds of it, is is trying to do some retooling and uh, and may you know figure out ways to you know to do things just as well on that front as well. Um, but as far as the tournaments, I don't feel any additional <clears throat> pressure now that, that replay and Pinburg are gone because I was never, I was never trying to make the TPF tournaments Pinburg or replay. Like I was, what we were trying to do when I, when Ed Vanderveen called me up and, you know, cause I'd played in the TPF tournaments, but I'd never run them and I'd run some local ones here and I had offered him some suggestions after one year. And so he called me up then later that, you know, that next summer and said, Hey, you know, Hey, Collins, Ed, I'm like, Oh, Hey, would you like to, you know, would you like to be part of the, the solution or would you like to be part of the, you know, turning it into this? The idea from, from my perspective was trying to take what is a world-class show of TPF. And I wanted to have the tournaments be at a world-class level for the tournaments and, you know, and, and they were still good tournaments before that, but they, you know, in terms of just how we were, we organized them and executed them and making sure that they were, you know, at a world-class level, I wanted to, those tournaments to evolve and, and become at the same, you know, be at the same level as what the show's at. And, and so that's, that's what I think we've, we've been successful in doing that. Um, I would like, I would prefer it if the T, if the tournaments were still given a little bit more prominence at TPF, but I understand the place of the tournaments and the, the TPF show is about the show first and foremost, that the tournaments are there and they're awesome. And I encourage everybody and everybody to play in them. But the, the TPF as a, is a festival is still about the, the show itself. It sounds like everything uh, you're getting prepared for a really good TPF this year. Then, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be great. It'll be it'll be nice after having to you know what we who thought we would have had to have a two year hiatus uh, because of it. But that's just the nature of you know when you know TPF the show was going off was you know literally right on the cusp of of seeing what you know what COVID was doing and how quickly and easily it was spreading. So yeah, we lost two years of TPF. Um, be gra- glad to have it back, uh, you know, in March of next year, go to texaspinball.com uh, for all the information on that. I don't think that they've released the, uh, the hotel block yet. So just kind of, you go follow Texas pinball on te- Texas pinball festival, the event or Texas pinball itself on Facebook. And you can then, uh, for any of your listeners that, uh, are wanting to make sure that they get, uh, 
there's not just the hotel itself of the event, but there's surrounding hotels that are easy walking distance and like literally right across the street. Um, I forget. Have you guys have, have the two of you been to TPF before? Yeah, we were going to go back in 2020, but uh, you know, the shenanigans ensued and we ended up having to stay home. So we were, we were also, I was booked to do the, uh, the deep root reveal. Oh yeah, you were, I was, I was going to do that first and then go to uh, Texas. So uh, we are planning on doing it uh, this next time. And certainly uh, I'll expect a text from you when it's time to uh, book our hotel. So we don't uh, get into the shenanigans that we had for expo this year. Uh Oh, you're sleeping under one of Josh Sharp's pinball machines in his basement. Yeah. Well, you know, Josh did say if I could help him move a pinball machine, then he would let me sleep (laughs) under the bait. Now, Colin, you just did you just did a big tour and you swung out to the west and you actually came through and visited Josh and me. So I did. Now I, I, I will say, in full disclosure, I was uh, I was actually toying with the idea of having Colin stay at my house. And let me give you a little background history on this. We uh I I let someone stay at my house who was a college friend and my wife didn't know them and their children were monsters. (laughs) And it was, (laughs) I seriously, it was one of the most stressful days of our life that they came and I like, we were, it just was not a good fit. And so my wife was like super nervous. She's like, I, you know him, but I, you know, we don't know the kids and all that kind of stuff. And so we were, uh, she was nervous and I was on call and I was working late. And so we didn't, however, I will say in full disclosure, you have fully passed the test since you came to my house that you get a, you get a pass next time you're coming through, uh, the, uh, the blind date worked out and you can actually come and stay over next time you're here. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully not having to sleep out in the in the backyard or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. I was gonna just say I, I don't know if the bar is super high though, because I got to stay and, and I'm well, apparently I was a good guest because now we yeah, have that, a podcast. That, that was before. I, oh <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was before my uh my friend came out and it was it was like my wife's like, dude, we got so burned on that one. <laughs> so uh, but yes. Yeah, so, so if I would have shown up wearing like a John Belushi college, you know, shirt, that probably would have been bad. Yeah. With a sign that says eat me. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's cool. It was, it was awesome to be able to, to, to visit, uh, both of you guys and, uh, yeah, you guys, are very hospitable. If anybody's, uh, going through the, the Utah for whatever reason, you know, vacation like we were or for work and you're going through the salt lake city area or as we as i discovered you know miss i thought i thought that josh lived like just north of salt lake city in ogden (laughs) near dinosaur land but no no no. josh lives in legit dinosaur land in the northeast corner of utah Mm -hmm. but yeah it was it was very cool to be able to to get to meet you guys in person and to uh, you know, share, share meals and, uh, and play pinball and talk pinball. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, a, a great trip. And also for anybody who's, who's ever just didn't even know, like, I didn't really know much about the, all the different national parks in Utah. My family, we're big into going to national parks and hiking and camping and stuff like that. This time we were 
we were glamping at, we were staying in hotels, but a lot of times, you know, when we don't have to travel as far, we'll go camping. But the, uh, man, the, the parks and the landscape and topography and stuff in Utah is really spectacular. Great place to visit. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, we don't get out enough. I even told you that I, I, I told my wife, when after I talked to you and I said, I've actually never even been to the Grand Canyon and I know Grand Canyon south of us, but I feel that we, uh, we don't take advantage of the things that we have in our own backyard as much as people do when they come in. So it was a nice reminder for me to, to try to get out. Um, now when you came and played my games, I think you played five games or maybe six games and took five GCs on every single one. <laughs> And yeah, I, guilty. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, when when Colin's talking about being able to see someone with elite skills in person, that is a hundred percent true. Because just the small things I saw while while Colin was playing, and he was legitimately giving me a tutorial while he was beating all the high scores in the game, and he got to uh, Alien Invasion on Simpsons Pinball Party, which I've never seen. Uh, and telling me, oh yeah, you need to do this. You need to do this. And so it's a combination of rules, knowledge and skills and nudging knowledge. But the one thing I want to bring up that actually took me to the next level, because, uh, I'm proud to say last night I defeated Colin's grand champion score on Deadpool. It was when you talked about imagining the outlanes as two extra flippers. And I want you to tell that quick tidbit because that was very interesting to me. And that really took uh, my understanding of nudging to a new level because I always nudged uh, side to side and it seemed to not work as well as what you told me. Yeah, sure. It's uh, you, you have to, yeah, I think it was, you had another person over there as, as well. That was, you know, some, I think you even newer to pinball. And, and so well, we, I was, I was well, walking we had through. Gary, uh, we had Gary and I can't remember, um, Oh, uh, yes. My friend, um, Kyle came over. Was it Kyle that you were talking to? Yeah, I think so. And he was, and so you had mentioned that he was, you know, relatively newer in a pinball. He had had some pins at home as well. And so I was just, I was walking him through and, you know, nobody ever really explained it to me like that, but I, it was, it was, I never thought about it. And then just the, the kind of the light bulb went off one day. And so when I, you know, see a pin like Deadpool, so Deadpool, I'm guessing most people who are listening to this podcast know Deadpool. It's a, it's your fan layout. Now it's got, you know, great pin, by the way. It's not just, I'm not trying to demean it anyway by calling it a fan layout. But what I mean there is it only has two flippers. There's no upper flipper on it. And so what I ask people when they're, they see the pin, I say, how many, how many flippers does this pin have? And they go, well, duh, Colin, that's obvious. There's two flippers. I say, no, there's actually four. And the, the third and fourth flipper on that particular game and on 99% of the games out there are your top of slingshot and in-lane, out-lane post area on either side. And by an additional flipper, what I'm trying to you know really drive home to somebody is that you can control how the ball bounces and reacts in those areas. And when I first started learning how to nudge, I was just trying to do the same thing you mentioned, Scott, of, of side to side. And when the ball was already pretty much on death's door of already going between that in-lane, out-lane post and the sidewall and going to its uh, unhappy home, you know, down the out-lane and into the drain. And the goal is to upward nudge most of the time, 
sometimes you can do a little bit of combination of a diagonal and some side nudges as well. But your goal is to get the ball the heck out of there. You just don't want it anywhere near those areas. And you can phys- physically control that as a player, not through flipper buttons, by through nudging. And most of the time, those upward nudges are not going to get you in big trouble with the tilt bob either. And if you if people can learn that, you will end up playing two or three extra balls per game. So when you see elite players playing the game of pinball, they are playing a six-ball game instead of a three-ball game. And the reason why is because they're getting extra balls because of their skills or nudging skills, and they're not draining as often as, as, as the novice player. So they're getting to play pseudo extra balls. And you get to play extra balls by learning that those you know top of slingshots and the post in your in-lane outlane areas are extra flippers. You know, Scott, what you should have done is had Colin help you on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like I did. Sorry, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like I did. <laughs> and and just kind of like suck his soul because he couldn't get the triple Mondo jackpot. Or just you can't hit them uh, in rapid succession in multi-ball yeah. on, that, on that game. Yeah, that was that was brutal. Yeah, that was it, it was brutal because you had to the the design of that game and the rules of that game is you get one what is I think it's one of each multi ball before each mini wizard mode or wizard mode. So if you miss, then you have to then chop wood at modes to get to the next mini wizard mode or wizard mode, and then you can now qualify a new what is it Ninja Turtle power. Yeah, turtle power, pizza, pizza multi-ball. So yep. yeah, that, that the triple mono jackpot though is absurd. Josh nailed the single ball one with ease. I think on ball one of your first player, it was it was quick. But you then have to hit was I think it's three upper loops, Josh. Yes, in a consecutively row? too. Yes, well within in multi-ball. Within, yeah, within two or three seconds of each other. Well, because I think if you if you missed if you got a rebound, you could still kind of get it up there. But because uh, there was once where you'd missed. But made the shot again, and it counted as a double mondo. So yeah, so yeah, that was that's brutal. But that that is one of the requirements for getting to the wizard mode. What it's a cowabunga or something like that. Yeah, cowabunga. Yep. But yeah, it's that's a that's a very and that's you know, I'm sure if you know Dwight ever had the time to go back and change things. I mean, that's you know, that's one of those things as a rules designer. I don't think that's ever intentional to try to create something that. So hard, is, yeah, yeah. Well, not just that it's so hard, but that you, you know, that there. Once you miss it, that the 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 light at the end of the tunnel to try to get back there again is so far away. Yeah. Um, although I will say, there's some games out there where if you miss it, there's no chance of getting it. Like there's a um, in Jurassic Park, if you want to qualify the when dinos rule the earth, ultimate wizard mode, you have to beat. And complete each of the three mini wizard modes. So the visitor center, the uh, the raptors in the kitchen thing, or whatever, and the museum mayhem, mm-hmm. or, and control and secure secure control. You have to complete all three of those in the same game, and then defeat Nublar, and then that unlocks the when dinos rule the earth. So that's even more uh, heart wrenching because you could play the whole game. And get two of those, but then on the third one, flub it up, which is very easy to do. 
especially in a secure control room. That's a beast. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, you've just now you don't have a chance. Now you can still go forward and still do the escape nublar and have fun with that, but you will have zero chance because once you, you only get one shot at it. So, and that way, Elwin was, uh, was more diabolical than Dwight on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, that's only happened to me never. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm saying these things like secure control room and Raptors in the kitchen and Scott's just nodding along and just like his bedside manner at the, yeah. you know, with the patient, you know. Yeah, and I like I, I think I've activated one or two of those modes. Yes, uh. <laughs> but Raptor in the Kitchen is really fun to play. I I like playing yeah. it, even though it it can be frustrating at times if you stop hitting shots and those Raptors start moving backwards instead of forwards. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. But it, it sounds like uh, yeah, there are possible uh, the things I do like about Turtles though is the co op mode and yes. the the competition mode, and so I love that they're. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing things more like that because that will take pinball to a next level of being able to play cooperatively or, hey, I'm the best player and I'm going to challenge all three of you guys and see who can win. Um, and really, I mean, Dwight really did push the boundary on that. And he he started the whole are you a god mode with, uh, you know, so jumping uh, to the end of games and trying the the wizard modes without yeah. actually having to go through the game to get there. So, yeah. Is it, is it a wizard mode though? What's that? What would you consider like Calabunga and Valhalla? What are those kind of modes where you, it's obviously past like destroy the ring and, um, final battle, but wait, Valhalla, Valinor or like Valinor. What? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Norris, you know, versus anywho. <laughs> Middle earth. Yeah. Norris, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all good. I mean, I, I only consider there, there to be one wizard mode in each pinball machine. I mean, meaning the ultimate wizard mode. And everything else I call, I usually call them mini wizard modes. Some people call them now just they call them all wizard modes. But I, I like to differentiate. I think they're, you know, every game, the rules designer has come up with some ultimate challenge in every, in the machine. And I fully understand, and it's not trying to, to brag about it because there's many, many other activities and sports that I am awful at. And I still like to do it. I still like to play, but I'm not good at it. And so I, I'm, I get it that there are many people, Scott, that will never, ever get to those things. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I Unless I take the glass off and add some rubber bands, there's no chance. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so to your point, I think it is, it is genius to, uh, to put those things at the start button in a, ch a challenge format. So that yes. to, and also because those coders, I mean, they put a lot of effort and the rules designers put a lot of effort yep. into programming and, and the rules design and the choreography and lights and everything else and the video assets that go along with it. And so it's awesome. You know, you, now people, anybody can now the, the sad part though, is a lot, most people have no clue that those things exist. I mean, I, you're you, you, so dear I, I listener. I think they're going to get there, though. I, dear I think listener, get if, there, you, yeah. if you're new to pinball on these newer machines, you can hold both flipper buttons and it will give you options as far as gameplay options. So try that out and see what happens. But yeah, to be able to play at least some one of the wizard modes, like a mini wizard mode. So I think most of them are all the mini wizard modes. So there's mm -hmm. still some ultimate wizard mode that you can't get to from the start button. Uh, which I think is also appropriate. So, but it gives somebody, because 
most people, 99% of the people are never going to get to the, the super duper mega extreme wizard mode of Simpsons. So you saw alien invasion, Scott, that's, yeah. that's a mini wizard mode. Yeah. That's yeah. not the ultimate wizard mode. Right. And so it would be really cool in my opinion, if Simpsons code had in it that you could just start alien invasion from the start button. Cause I think it's one of the best, you know, mini wizard modes in all of pinball. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I, I love the, the, the how that that works in terms of you go these these progressively more difficult because there's more balls in the multi-ball and having to tuck each one away to to advance to the next one mm-hmm. and so I, I actually you know not to completely segue we can talk about spooky and halloween later but uh, listening to the uh, the the super awesome pinball show and, and the interview they did with the emery's i was kind of excited to hear i think it was bug described the that they're using all their physical seven ball locks for their their wizard mode because it kind of it, it, it kind of reminded me of alien invasion which is one of my favorite of all mm. time so yeah kudos to the pinball designers and manufacturers out there that are putting more game features at the the fingertips of the player and of the collector that they can enjoy these even more so, which is great. I mean, if you're spending that many thousands of dollars <laughs> on a toy, better to be able to get more enjoyment out of it and not feel like, you know, you're cheating like Scott when he takes the glass off and, mm-hmm. you know, beats <laughs> my bands. Deadpool GC. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did that extra mag- easy. Well, I did magnets too. <laughs> I, I had a, a magnet to keep it above. So I was, that's a great transition though. We want, we want to kind of go to the news and uh, well, let's talk spooky. Let's talk Ultraman. Let's talk Halloween. Uh, I, I guess I'll start it off. I was shocked that they sold out in three hours, Same. and not and not because uh, I, I'm underestimating spooky and their ability to sell pinball. I just don't feel like Halloween was a title that carried enough weight with it to sell. Uh, was it twelve hundred and fifty machines? I mean, this movie's from nineteen seventy eight. I think so. Obviously, has a great following. I didn't realize it was one of the most highest grossing independent films of all time. Uh, at, at the time, it set the bar. They they only put like roughly three hundred thousand into it, and then it ended up making anywhere from like sixty eighty million dollars um, off of a two week project. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I just, I guess I'm. I don't know. I'm not a huge horror fan. Um, and so maybe I didn't see it, but then again, I guess they're hitting a part of the market that isn't being tapped by anyone else at this point either. So right. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, fun, fun fact first. Um, do you guys know what mask Michael Myers is wearing? I do. Do you Colin? Um, who's the, no, who's I, the man in the mask? The, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen that movie in, in so long. It was like okay, fan of the see- opera. No, no, you've seen a picture. So who who like whose mask is it that he's wearing? Like who's oh. who's the character that is is the mask? Oh, I don't know. It's not Jason. It's not a hockey mask. No, no, no. No. It's who a, is it, Josh? It's a stretched out James T. Kirk from Star Trek mask. Yeah. It's Will it's William <laughs> Shatner. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now you're so, be staring at it. You're going to yeah. be like, what the heck? Yeah. There's something on the plane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, Colin. Sold out in yeah. three sold hours. Sold out in three hours. So, is this 
is this a game that you are interested in? One theme wise, let's talk about that. Theme wise, Colin, you. Theme wise, I mean, I don't, not at the top of my list. No, I mean, I'm not uh, similar to Josh. I'm not. A, I'm not a horror movie fan. So that's. I mean, I, I I've watched you know a number of horror movies, but they're. Not, I'm not chomping at the bit to go to go watch one. I uh, I much prefer different movie genres than horror. Okay. So yeah. it's not at the top of my list. Now I there's some nostalgia to it in terms of, you know, when I grew up and watching those, the Halloween movie for the first time or the Friday, the 13th movie or the nightmare on Elm street movies for the first time and being freaked out, you know, cause I was of the age, you know, that it was truly scary. It wasn't just, you know, cheesy, scary, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a kid and an adolescent or whatever, you know, it's just like, Oh wow. That actually was, that was good quality scared me <laughs> but you know i it's i i, I like most of it, even though i don't like the, you know th- like i don't like iron maiden as a music but i love the iron maiden pinball machine so i'm never going to uh you know thematically uh exclude a a pinball machine unless it's something that's like you know beyond the 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 range of reason for me from a um you know, from some like a moral standpoint or something like that. So there's certain, there's certain pinball machines that have been made or, you know, these one-off themes or whatever that I'm just not, I'm not interested in playing those, but uh, that's a whole nother story. But as far as Halloween goes, no, not my favorite theme. Okay. Josh. Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with Colin. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I won't exclude the game because it's themed Halloween, but yeah, I, it just doesn't appeal to me. It, and yeah. and Scott and Colin, you're both family men. I mean, that's one of those things too. Does this even get into your house because of the theme and, and how brutal no, it can be as like, well? Like not in my now. I I will say though, I have a friend who's an oral surgeon, and when this came out, he is a big horror fan, and he texted me the reveal video and said, "This is amazing." <laughs> so, um. While I will say this is not something that caters to me, it it does cater to an underserved crowd. Yeah, sure. So. Well, and for you, Josh, I mean, because you're you know you're ten years a little more than ten years younger than me. So when you grew yeah. up, I'm did you did, were the Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth movies were those were they even relevant? like in yeah yeah were you were you watching any of those? Uh, the, the honestly, the only reason was because my mom grew up in the eighties, and it was kind of like we. We snacked on that '80s culture in my house, but it wasn't okay. like my friends or anything were watching it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't relevant at that point. I mean, I grew up in the late '90s. High school was mid 2000s, and so you you were still having the the reboots and the spinoffs and the Jason versus Freddy and stuff like that. But it just it I never felt like it was relevant to me. It was just a a, a reboot of a late '70s, early '80s franchise. You know. So outside of this being a horror theme, is this also then, you know, guilty of some of the same, you know, niche, you know, age group that it's appealing to, like these some of these like older classic rock band themes that you know yeah. appealing to the the you know the the mid forties on up pinball collector crowd 
because I mean, I, I don't like, I've only, I think I've only watched the original Halloween movie. I don't recall ever watching any of the all others. 11. Yeah. <laughs> the 11 <laughs> and, others. And so I'm guessing all the reboots is similar to some other you know, movies and, you know, series that I like most of the time, you know, especially if you get past the second one or, you know, third one, they start really getting long in the tooth mm-hmm. uh, and they, they, they jump the shark. And so I can't imagine that all these reboots have been all that high quality. So I wonder if spooky is, is, you know, but it didn't hurt them at all. They, they still sold out, but I wonder if it's still in the same vein of, of pinball and the, these themes and licenses that are appealing to people that are, you know, not younger than oh. 35. Yeah. Over 40. Yeah. Well, but the uh, other thing too is Halloween is releasing. Uh, so they, they made like a sequel to the original. They like got rid of all the original, all the sequels except for the original. And they're releasing a sequel to the original from 78 this year. Huh. So I wonder, obviously it's still relevant if, uh, if they have 11 movies, including two more planned or something like that. So, yeah, I mean it's it's a very well known. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, it's, a, it's a, people recognize it. It's a very recognizable theme. So I was, yeah. I was happy that Spooky was able to get something like that. I mean, they they've got a very current and relevant theme with Rick and Morty uh, oh, yeah. in terms of, but and Halloween is also very recognizable. So good for them, and good for them that they that they sold out. I mean, um, it's an interesting, uh, you know. Uh, looking layout um definitely something I haven't seen before there were some elements where i saw it and i'm like oh i kind of almost like looked like some of like rob zombies layout mm-hmm. just a little bit here and there but um you know the the stacked upper play fields is, you know be interesting to play that i like i like me a good quality upper play field i also detest upper play fields that are not well implemented mm-hmm. and uh but the uh, these look like they they have they have potential. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to find out, you know, just how you know beyond the teaser trailer video, just how the ball interacts with the mechanical features and things that they've thrown in there for the theme. Yeah, because when I first looked at the pictures, like, oh wow, they threw a bunch of stuff in there, but is it just a lot of eye candy? to try to, you know, make that whole world under glass, you know, make it look like the Halloween thing. But then is it, is it, is it going to be fun to play and fun to flip? And yeah. I, I hope it is. I, I think it, it could be. And I'm, I'm not going to base my opinion on it until I actually get to, to play it. But I'm, like I said, I like, uh, I, I like upper play fields. Uh, I like wizard of Oz for instance, and having two upper play fields that are both very different, um, love since the spindle party upper play field. So yeah, bring it on. And uh, I, I obviously won't be having one coming to my house, uh, but uh, that's okay. You could, have, can... okay. you could also have Ultraman though. I mean, there's, yeah. there is a theme for you. The Ultraman theme is for you. If, if, if the Halloween theme doesn't work and you <laughs> like the play field, you can legitimately buy the Ultraman. I, to be full disclosure, I practically have no idea what Ultraman is. I, so full disclosure, that, that I, I had no idea that Ultraman <laughs> was a thing. I don't know, J- Josh. Okay, so what do you what do you see, Josh, when you see the layout? Because that's really all we have to go off. 
Well, between the layout and listening to what they said on on a super awesome pinball show, if you haven't checked it out, go check out Franchi and Christian Line. Uh, they ta- sat down with Charlie and Bug, and um, it sounds like you have to unlock the upper play fields. They won't be available from the very get go. You're gonna have to do something on the the base play field to actually unlock to go up top. Um, I'm I'm nervous because they said this is a flow game. I haven't played this. But there's a lot of holes that the ball drops into that comes out of a subway kind of thing. I just I don't see how you're going to get flow, yeah, with how, with how many holes and stuff that you're dropping into. And, and and the one thing I learned from the Mandalorian reveal was people don't mind upper playfield as long as they're integrated properly. But that's a lot of people are like I don't want to be up on that playfield very long or that upper playfield very long. Or I don't want the objective to force me to go back to that play f- that many play field multiple times, and, and it's funny because it's like you know people are like eh, it seems like they're very on the fence with upper play fields, and then Spooky's like I got three, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I do the one thing I'm very intrigued about. Um, I think it'll go one of two ways. Uh, they called it the butt pretzel on on Saps show. You have to. If you're looking at the the play field, it's the the second one up. It's got the double spinners on it. You backhand that that the right spinner, and if you hold up the flipper, if you do it right and you hold up the flipper, it will go through that spinner, come right back through the flipper, and then go through the second spinner and and flip right back around to you. Yeah, and huh. if, that's like that's like Wizard of Oz on the Munchkin. If you flip it and you hold up the flipper, you can usually get two loops, and it slows yeah. down enough. Yeah. Correct, but the ball go- diverts, so it, it is similar to that. But the ball goes different ways. Yeah, if you no, I, I I see. It's it's like a yeah. figure eight almost. Yeah, and so uh, I'm intrigued by that. I half wonder if it makes it too easy. I don't know. Rules can always fix anything, uh, especially on layout. I mean, look at Walking Dead. But I I I actually was somewhat intrigued with Ultraman. The problem with the spooky games is you have to get in on the order, and then you've got to decide if you want to keep it or not. Well, and, sure, but there there are people that that's if you want to be the first in. I, yeah, I, I've always said if you have that Grail game, it will be available. Okay, I I'm gonna here's my take on it, and once I say it, you're never going to look at this playfield differently. Bring it. Okay? This that's, that's quite the bold statement. It is a bold statement, but as soon as I say it, you're gonna say bingo. All right, um, it up. I've got it ready. Okay, you got it. Yep. I got Ultraman. You got Halloween. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, here's the word, and the word of the day is whitewater. Okay. Do you see it? This is a very similar layout to whitewater. Um, I don't know. That's a little too bold. Too oh. bold. What is the sriracha? Yes, it is. I'm trying to get a good angle of it. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's just too. Yeah, I can see that. There's there's some there's some elements, but I don't think it's. I don't think there's enough. Look under look under John Carpenter, like the the translight, and then go uh, underneath. And I'm on this week in pinball, by the way. Uh, hi Jeff, uh, great site. Thisweekinpinball.com. But it seems that it seems like a, the shot selection have a lot of the now the scoops at a different location. 
but you have the upper flipper that takes it to the, so it's slightly different to have the pretzel up there, but then you also have the shot that goes up and then drops down on the hedges. Uh, like the insanity falls shot. Yeah. I just think it's, uh, it's, it has a lower, the, the, the lower right. play field ramps. Right. Where, right. Where the whirlpool would be. Yes. So the basement, uh, upper play field. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have, it doesn't have the pops over on the right. You yeah. know, it doesn't have a scoop kick out on the left. Okay. Well, I didn't say it was a carbon copy. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying, saying it, so it, it has an element where it has an upper so yes it has an upper play field upper flipper shot that returns the ball down a return that feeds your left flipper yeah. there you go but that's not to me that's not a big enough stretch yeah. to be like oh this is just like whitewater well i'm just saying i think it gives you a, a feel of when i first saw this i thought wow that's a lot of upper play fields and i wonder how that's going to feel however when you sure when i play something like whitewater it's it's a fun game and it doesn't feel as over the top as um, as you would think with uh, the five ramps in there, but this feels like it would still have a, a similar feel to it in that there's a lot of stuff to do, but it doesn't feel like it's returning back at you at lightning speed like say Black Knight does. I mean, I'll give you one other. I'll give you one other thing that okay. is like white water. I don't know why they chose to do this. I the the layout of the inserts up the center of the playfield yep. are like the rafts. Yep. If you're wet willies, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But that's <laughs> if you're looking at the uh, oh, what is it? The uh, Ultraman one. I guess it's more of a bomb. I don't know, but it does look like a waterfall. Now that you say that too. Yeah. Huh. All right. Okay, listeners, tell Josh that I'm right. That it does look like white water. So I get concerned with that much upper play field it abstracts the right side of the play field so much that's hard to you yeah, feel like you're, you're shooting the center and the left not much of the right well and so. legitimately uh to pivot a little bit i actually went and played the mandalorian and Ooh. i okay i thought the mandalorian was actually a fun shooter game and i told uh kyle mm-hmm. who's a local distributor that i thought it would be a big seller um because it didn't feel like I was hunting for shots on the first and second play. It felt like I, I kind of knew at least where the shots. So it felt very intuitive, which I think is important on many games, but there is a question about how often the, uh, the Mandalorian helmet mini play field is going to be used because yeah. you don't want it to feel like a gimmick, you know, like most lower play fields, I, I would say, um, I don't know anybody who says, wow, I really like that lower play field in ACDC um, or, or Congo or, or monsters. Or whatever. It just feels like it's, yeah, or monster. It's, it's a similar thing. It's like a diversion. So uh, yeah. if that feels like it's a challenge or if it feels like pinball circus where you go up to the upper play field and then you move to another upper play field, then you move to another upper play field. Is that, is that good or bad? I, I don't know. Because we, I haven't seen it that much in a production game and just played it in a gimmick game. Yeah, so. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah, because I, I I fear because I I don't like, for instance, the amount of real estate blocked by the Game of Thrones premium LE upper play field. Yeah, and this gives me some you know nightmares of that type of dominance of your field of view. And when you look at how far that lower, that second one extends forward, 
it is that kind of, you know, how far down it is. It's maybe not quite as wide or maybe it is. Um, but I do give, I, I, I do give spooky a lot of credit because their upper play fields, including Alice Cooper's, um, they're, they, there's lots to do on them on the upper play field. Yes. There's not just, you know, uh, for, so for instance, I mean, I'm just going to have to, it's not just an arc of targets mm-hmm. to shoot at. Yeah. There's a lot of different things to do. And the notion of going from like one upper play field to another, I like that, but I completely agree with you, Josh, earlier, you mentioned that you're, you're like, what flow, tons of flow. I, I agree with you. I don't, and I don't mind that by the way, I, I like variety. I like yes. pinball machines that have stop and go. Like for instance, Simpsons pinball party yes. has a lot of stop and go to it. Now it has shots that you can say, Oh, that flows. Like it has a ramp. Oh, that's great flow. <laughs> so this also has a ramp. Hey, that's great flow. And it, maybe it has uh, one of these shots that you shoot through or under the uh, under upper plate fields that wraps back around and maybe is an orbit. So it has some flow to it. But it's not like your Star Trek or Led Zeppelin where you have, you know, multiple options to shoot at to continue this, you know, this never ending combo. Like, you know, some of your Steve Ritchie games or the, the, the flow that you can get into on, you know, Deadpool and and other games like that. I just don't yeah. see that that level of flow. It has shots that have flow. Don't get me wrong. Every pinball yeah. machine has flow. It's just no matter how much of it. Yeah. And I, but I think they should own it. Like own the fact that you've got a bunch of really cool, hopefully really cool to shoot stop and go shots. I think mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. I think I honestly, the artwork looks great to me. The toys look great. Yeah. I like the peekaboo, the, the whack-a-mole. Uh, I can't wait to play this in October. I know I'll definitely see one at pinball expo. So I I'm ready yeah. to give it a try. So the numbers they sold, are you impressed? Yeah. Double, double yeah. what they had of Rick and Morty in less time. I mean, yeah, Rick and Morty was seven fifty. They did Ultraman and Godzilla seventeen fifty. So that's you know more than double. And, and Charlie was drinking a beer for lunch. You know, <laughs> celebrating. Yeah. He was done <laughs> as he yeah. should. Man, yeah. good job. So next so round, I- next rounds on Spooky, I guess, huh? <laughs> Well, that tells me that they are they are leveling up as a yep. pinball company. Yep. Um, I, I and I, I will say I was I hopped on the pin side thread and I was looking through and there were some obvious comparisons to Deep Root when they said when they <laughs> said you know Spooky sold out in three hours and you had a month and you sold a hundred thirty Rosas. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it. I mean, I I don't want to beat this drum too much, but it does speak a little bit about what uh, where people's confidence is, and especially with a theme that they that resonates with them. I agree. Um, I don't think too many people were resonating with the Raza for Raza. Well, and but that's my other question, though. I feel like you're not just buying a Halloween. You're not buying an Ultraman. You're buying a spooky game, and. Sometimes, I mean, every pinball machine is going to have a problem. I, I don't know a single company out there that hasn't had a problem. But it seems like their customer service, when it comes to repairing those machines, uh, is it, pretty good. You get, you get. I mean, I, I have Charlie's personal email, so if I need anything, he, just, I can just get right to him. And I don't even own a spooky game. I mean, it's just, yeah. 
I, I feel like they're doing it right. Uh, they're expanding slowly, but they're doing it the right way. And so I think when you do it the and way slowly. that they've done it, they've done it right. Uh, whereas Deep Root came in fast and hard. They were like a firework, you know, they, they, they shot up, yeah. blew up, nothing left to see. But, I was just saying, this is what their fifth game. I mean, they have, uh, they no, had, uh, America's no. most haunted. They had Rod, Rob zombie. They had Jetsons. They had TNA. Smooth, uh, Alice Cooper's nightmare castle. Maybe it's six, Rick and Morty, six, uh, Domino's. Oh, seven. Oh, you're right. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, I missed a few in there. I was going to say, I thought there was. Can you count the Godzilla homebrew? I mean, if... <laughs> mm, probably, probably I, not. I could have swore there was just one more that we're missing. And and someone's sitting there like, no, you're fine. Or, or someone's, you're right. It's this one. Yeah. Uh, Rick and Morty, Alice Cooper, TNA, Jetson, Domino's, Rob Zombie, America's Most Haunted. Yep. So two, four, six, okay. eight, nine. Lucky number nine. And they've been yeah, a business that, for eight impressive. and a half years. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on really quick. Uh, before we wrap this up, I just want to talk really quickly about the oopsie down in Vegas because it, oh, it, it still baffles I ho- I me. I hope this is wrong. It baffles me. And this is the reason why I work in construction. I've had to deal with permits and stuff like that before. Not only did it get past the surveyor, there, I don't know how it is in Nevada, but in Utah, you have to have an inspector, okay. city, or county. You, you have inspect- to you have to say what the issue is. Oh, sorry. Let me let Josh, me. Josh, you have to this. say what the issue is because some people may not know. Correct. So, what <laughs> Pinball Hall of Fame's neighboring hotel? I can't remember their name, but the neighboring hotel has just noticed that the building itself is sitting on eight feet of their property, uh, which and it says that everyone's luring up, which and it's it's prime real estate right on the strip it's not like it's like oh i'll just gift that to you or we can make an agreement on it but what baffles me is like i said in the state of utah you have to have a city or county inspector come out to verify that all the measurements are correct on top of the surveyor who came out and did all their work and why did the hotel not notice this as they were digging the hole because there obviously would have been a hole dug i mean it it just there's so many comedy of errors up to this point it's just it's just weird to me because it's like how did you catch it so quick but you didn't catch it during the construction and and nor did i i don't know i feel bad for tim arnold because i don't feel like he's at fault at all he hired a company to come do this and the company messed up (laughs) i i hope it's um not as uh as reported i i guess that's what i'm saying it just seems so weird yeah well, I think from I've I looked at the pin side thread on at least one of them on this, and somebody was saying that they attended the soft opening or grand opening festivities at the Pinball Hall of Fame, and and Arnold mentioned he mentioned that he alluded to it in his opening talk. So I don't think this is I don't think this is hearsay. No, I I will say that. While this is on the strip, this actually isn't prime strip real estate. This is really on the, it's on the south side, which is, I mean, really Mandalay Bay is the end of the strip and this is really pushing close to that. And so it's, it's. Yeah, but but it doesn't matter the property value to to Josh's point. It's how do you, how does somebody, how are they off by that much? 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not in construction. I'm not in surveying. I don't do that type of work. I mean, I, I just remember when, you know, buying the houses I've bought, you know, the, the, you have the plat that you are given that shows and it's in excruciating detail and uh, off by eight feet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's a an Andre the giant you're off by. Yeah. yeah. That's a car length, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just it, it, that's, yeah. that's what baffles me. It just, how did the, I don't know. I just, it's a comedy of errors and it's, and that's the part that stinks is like the lawyers are going to get involved and, and what's, what's the, what's the best case scenario in this? The hotel says, whoopsies where we'll sell you that part of the property and tim arnold does another fundraiser and we call it good i don't know at this point well the surveyor whoever he contracted has got to have some type of insurance it's going to have to be the first one to pay the bill but it it, it could turn into a nightmare where they they request him to tear down eight foot of his building i i think that's pretty unlikely Uh, that would be unlikely to happen mainly because that would also affect their like you don't want integrity well, you don't want a damaged building next to where you're going to build your hotel. It, yeah. it, the optics, yeah, the optics look bad. And so, you know, so I, I'm sure something will happen, but it still is just, you know, it, it, it really depends on the size of the check. That's how it is. Yeah. Well, and man, I sure hope the, the surf, because that's the other problem too, is the insurance. The surveyors, depending on their insurance, can only cover up to so much money, and then and then the pinball hall of fame might be liable after that as well. I mean, it, it opens up so many cans of worms. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it, it's just a nightmare. But I, I feel the, for him. the hotel does also doesn't want a bankrupt, derelict building next to them too, and so true, uh, correct. I they there is something to say. Hey, we're at the hotel, and by the way, there's a pretty awesome thing for kids next door. So you can yeah. go gamble at our place while you know the kids are playing go pinball. To it. Right. So, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm just I, I'm just looking at this from a pragmatic standpoint to say what's in the best interest of the hotel too. Yeah. So I, no, I think I they'll money some money will exchange hands and they'll move on. I mean those those strip properties and eight feet does sound like a lot and I totally agree. However. It, it's those properties are almost like a half mile. They are crazy big. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. You get lost in casino, uh, Caesar's palace and you, you end up some yeah. back door. You're like, I didn't, what, what is this? So it's yeah. this rabbit hole. So, so yeah, I, I think as long as it doesn't really affect their, uh, their casino real estate, the, like the gaming floor, it's probably something they can come to an agreement on. No, I agree. So, well, I'm I'm gonna say it's time to wrap it up. I mean, we've been going at it for uh, a little over an little hour while. and yeah. 10, 15 minutes. Oh, the other problem too, the listener hasn't heard, but we, for some odd reason, our recording site's just like boom, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> they keep stopping, and it's like, yeah, and yeah. we're gonna start again. <laughs> Even they got bored. So the what <laughs> the uh, website? It's like I'm done. I'm done. But no, we appreciate you coming on, Colin. It was fantastic to meet you. Um, it was really cool that you came through Utah and even diverted your, your vacation plan to come down to little dinosaur land. I hope you enjoyed the wall of dinosaur bones. Um, we did. And, uh, seriously, if you're ever back in Utah, there's an airport right here in town. You can fly right in. We'll, we'll make you dinner and everything. So there you (laughs) go. All right. Round trip tickets are not bad. Uh, that's how I'm getting to, to expo. I'm just flying right out of town. So anyhow, yeah, you guys are gonna have fun there. I've, uh, I, 
I would like to go, but yeah, it's that, uh, it's Halloween right. weekend. Yeah. Ooh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, that actually. Yeah. I, I'm I'm using some dad uh, saved up dad credit because I have two kids that are it's their birthday that weekend. So. And one one of them is actually on Halloween, so you're gonna be in the hole for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Brother. That's okay. Yeah. You're gonna hear going the sentence on. start with, uh, "You remember that time you left for yeah pinball convention on <laughs> yeah, Halloween?" And I'll say, "You remember how I took you to Hawaii a month before?" So yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, the old anyway. tip for tap. Anywho, well, Colin, well, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, how, how do you? want them to contact you or you can be like Ellen just be like no I don't <laughs> uh yeah well they can I guess they can get a hold of me via I don't know look me up on on Facebook, on Facebook. I guess, and they can message me message me that way I don't want people emailing my my email address go, go to Facebook <laughs> and see your massive trophy from from 2017. But yeah, no, I'm not here to. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any podcast or uh, website or anything like that. I just, I just like hanging out and playing pinball. It sounds like the best way to contact you is to go up and shake your hand at uh, Texas Pinball Festival. There you go. Yeah, they can, they can do that. It's always a crazy, you know, weekend of you know. Don't remember, you know, half of the people that I meet because there's just so many people to meet and so much that has to be done in a short period of time. But uh, yeah, other than that, if, if people are, if they're coming through the Austin, Texas area, uh, they can, you know, give me a shout out. You know, I'd love to meet up with people at the various locations. I got to get a couple more of my pins fixed up before I have a bunch of people over at my house because I've got too many of my very limited collection are in, you know, states of disrepair. So I got to get them fixed back up. If you want to contact us, we are at loser kid pinball on facebook twitter instagram and now on twitch if you want to watch us we will be jamming out every once in a while just make sure you uh, follow us and it will notify you as soon as we go live uh, we don't have like a super steady schedule or i don't and so i usually film not film stream during lunch time so for me it's noon but uh for i guess the east coast you're two o'clock in the afternoon but um if you want to get a hold of us for a hat, we, just, we send another hat out to Mr. Dan in Arizona. I hope you enjoy that. And uh, It's a good-looking hat. It is, it is. And so, um, other than that, what you got anything else for us, Scott? No, I think it's great. Uh, looking forward to uh, the next two weeks, and hopefully the temperature in Utah will get below 100 because we've been in a heat wave right now. So. Oh, yes. And then I can finally stop working so much. So, yeah, yeah. I wish I knew a good air conditioning guy. Oh, hey, Josh. Oh, hey, yeah. All right, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Sit down.